Father in heaven, thank you that we are able to gather um, this midweek um, to remember these uh, deep and serious aspects of the Christian life, um, that we are sinners, that we are constantly in need of a Savior, and that we need the cross to cover us always. And so, God, now I pray from, from these words in Romans 6 that you would remind us of all of those things and that we would leave encouraged and built up uh, in the gospel. And it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So we're only going to look at the, the first half of verse 23 this evening, which is, for the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is is death. And I know that seems a bit morose, maybe a little bit depressing, not encouraging. But if we don't understand sin's payment to us, we'll never understand the value of God's gift to us. Reflecting on the writings of the Scottish theologian Alexander White, C.S. Lewis said this. He says, for him, one essential symptom of the regenerate life is a permanent and permanently horrified perception of one's natural and, it seems, unalterable corruption. The true Christian's nostrils is to be continually attentive to the inner cesspool. And the reason for that is, is because sin is a constant reality to all of us, isn't it? Maybe you sent, you were in sin as you came through the doors this evening. Maybe it was earlier today. Maybe it was this morning when you woke up and you yelled at your kid or you got mad at your spouse or uh, yelled at that person who cut you off in traffic or whatever it might be. It's a topic that we can't ignore because it affects us, every one of us, to the very depths of who we are. And we know the effects of it. We, we live in its effects. We experience these effects on a daily basis, moment by moment, it seems, and we, because we live in the brokenness of a world that has been marred by sin. This isn't the new creation yet. So basically, what it comes down to is we can't escape sin on our own. So what I want to do in the next few moments is to look at two words in this verse. Just two words. Uh, the first word it will look at is the word sin. And the second word we'll look at tonight is the word death. So sin and death. Now, the word sin is, is probably very common to all of us. It's a common word that we use in the church. Uh, it's even a common word that is used in the culture. Some, most of the time, it's used in, in jest or uh, just kind of in passing as a joke, like, oh, well, you're a bunch of sinners and, and things like that, and we all laugh about that. We confess our sins corporately at CTK. We do this each week. We, we, we read together a, a prayer of repentance and confession to God. We probably confess our sins during the week to God and 
to others in our lives. Hopefully we do that. Sin is also, at the very same time, celebrated on our screens and in the personal lives of individuals that we all know very, very well. So according to the philosophy of Socrates, the cause and essence of sin consists solely in ignorance. You're a sinner because you're ignorant of the good that you could create and be, is what Socrates said. No one is voluntarily evil, he says. The person who knows the good is good and acts according to the good. All that is needed to be good, according to Socrates, is education to guide humans who are by nature good, he says. And we need to be led to the practice of virtue. And yet still, even with a philosophy like that, that I think kind of rules the day, rules our culture in a lot of ways, even with a philosophy like that, sin is still destroying people's lives. Even those people we would say are good. And quite possibly, it's destroying your life as we sit here. The Greek word for sin is hamartia, which means to miss the mark. You probably heard that definition. Uh, to, to miss or wander from the path of uprightness and honor. It's the definition of, of sin in the Bible. That's how it's used. So this definition begs the question then, if it's missing the mark, if it's wandering from the path of uprightness and honor, what mark are we missing and what path of uprightness are we wandering from? So to answer that, we have to go back to sin's origin, and, and which begins with humanity in Genesis chapter 3, at the very beginning of our Bibles. So Adam and Eve, our first parents, um, pre-sin, pre-fall, walked with God in perfect communion with him. And yet in their freedom, in their freedom, they choose to listen to the tempter, to Satan's voice, and go their own way. To believe, essentially, that God was withholding from them that they were after, to, to, to believe ultimately that God isn't good and he doesn't have my good in mind. And so what we gather from this for our answer to these questions is missing the mark means believing the lie. Wandering from the path of uprightness means believing that God is withholding from you. Believing that he isn't good and therefore you must choose your own path to happiness and to pleasure and to fulfillment to essentially eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. So live it up. And this is what is passed on down through the ages to each one of us. This is what, uh, what is known as the imputation of Adam's sin to each one of us. We have all inherited this from our first parents. Paul says this back in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. He says, 
Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So it's not just Adam and Eve. It's every single one of us. And because we've all sinned, we all deserve the wages that come with sin. We're on its payroll, we could say. Which leads us to our second word, which is death. Because to receive these wages, one must simply be a slave, a slave to sin. Look at verses 20 through 21, if you're looking in your Bible. Paul says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness, meaning it, it held no sway on you. You were free from that because you were a slave to sin, so you can't be a slave to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. And so I want to make sure that we all understand that the wages of sin is the same for the believer and for the unbeliever. The wages of sin is exactly, it doesn't change. It is still death. And it never stops being death. And one proof of this is the reality that uh, all of us have in common is that we're all going to die. And the reason we're all going to die is because of sin. So in the consequences of our first parents' sin, God says these words in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, that will be repeated uh, this evening um, in just a few moments. But he says these words to them to remind them of their penalty, which is death. And this is what he reminds them of. He says, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This is why a time like this evening is important, because it reminds us that while we are in Christ, if, we're, if, we, are, if we are followers of Jesus, we are in Christ, and we are forgiven, we still are also in our flesh. We still battle the, the old man or the old woman, which is sin. We're still prone to wander. We're still in need of Christ's saving work, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. And part of that comes through confession of our sin, admitting that we're a sinner, and then at the same time, not just saying, hey, I'm a sinner and this is how I've sinned, but this at the same time, repenting of those sins as well. So the reformer Martin Luther wrote in his famous 95 Theses, he says, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, Matthew 4, 17, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of Repentance constantly. And surprisingly enough, this is not meant to be morose or depressing or guilt-inducing or to make you think that somehow Christ's death is not sufficient so you need to participate in repentance constantly because somehow or another, 
I am having to churn up God's forgiveness to me. That's that's not what it means. Or coming to a, a service like this. You know, this time and throughout the Lenten season is to remind you of the reality of our broken humanity. But as the days draw closer to that great resurrection Sunday, 40 days from now, that those days would grow brighter and that you would experience with greater abundance the reality of God's redeeming grace that we received at the cross and that we are always to be marked by. Amen.